Welcome to another episode of the Queensland Rail History Podcast, where today we are talking about the joys of Christmas past, a time of trains bringing families together to celebrate the holidays, delivering presents and good wishes. Such was the demand that extra trains had to be run to many major holiday locations. I am Annette, and as always, I'm joined by Greg Hallam, our resident historian. How are you today, Greg? I'm feeling really good today, Annette. It's, yeah, a really good day and a really good time of the year, very much. Greg, I know it's a little bit off track, pun intended, but I'm interested to know your personal favourite Christmas memory. The biggest memories I have was actually my mother um, relating to me the stories when she was a little girl and growing up in the 1940s, um, going from Bundaberg to Mount Perry and going out for Christmas time to be with my great-grandmother, my great-aunts and those at Mount Perry. Um, my grandfather was an engine driver based in uh, North Bundaberg Depot. But mum would tell these incredible stories of going out on the rail motor and stopping off and getting uh, some flowers on the way to take her to um, my great-aunt's place and my great-grandmother for Christmas. So it was very much, you know, travelling from Bundaberg, it was an adventure for her and it was always a wonderful occasion for her to go and spend Christmas with the family. So um, they the stories I've grown up with over the years and... Um, well, as I said, growing up in a railway family, I've always knew that um, it was a busy time of the year for the railways and quite often that uh, you see extra divisions of trains being run even even in the uh, 1970s and that uh, to travelling to different locations because one train cannot carry everyone who wanted to travel. Busy time of the year, good time of the year and uh, yeah, as I said, I'm very fortunate that uh, you know, we've got those wonderful family stories about the big trips of Christmas and everything like that. For many people, train travel and family stories of Christmas were intricately linked for many years. Yeah, the excitement of train trips home to spend the holidays with family and friends, it does conjure up very fond memories and we just spoke about those before. For more than a century, trains were the way most people connected when it came to long distance travel. Letters, cards, gifts, parcels, they all crossed the country by rail. They connected people across vast distances. They brought wishes between those who couldn't be together for Christmas. It's no wonder we have a grand image of Christmas always involving trains and for many years it was rail travel that made it so special for so many people. In the early part of the 20th century, um, entire page ads were taken out in newspapers by the Queensland Railways and that was to highlight where someone wanted to get away for Christmas, could travel to. And the big emphasis back then was escaping the stresses of city life in big centres such as Brisbane. So Places along the north coast, they were touted as wonderful places to visit for that Christmas break. And um, you read those ads, and, I mean, it points out places like Butterham Mountain. It was a major centre of banana and coffee cultivation. Montville was a place famous for its strawberry cultivation. Uh, Noosa and Tewantan, they rated highly because, you know, one could get to both of those places from either Karoi or Karan Station and just enjoy miles of beaches along the coast. But to get there, one had to take a daily coach and it's not the road variety we experience today. We're talking about the horse coach, the horse-drawn variety. That's how you did it by day. Greg, you were making that time sound like a scene from a Christmas movie. The only thing missing is the snow? <laughs> yes, well, here in Queensland or Australia, don't, mm, yes, I don't think you see much in the way of snow here in uh, this time of the year. But when you think about, you know, those sorts of things like the passenger numbers, the travel at that time, you look at them from the annual reports, from the newspapers of the era, it's remarkable. I mean, the passenger numbers that were moved by train in those days before private car ownership and air travel was remarkable. In 1953, about 85,000 passengers were carried on Queensland Railways on the Christmas Eve. That's across the entire network. 
The time is described as one of the busiest Christmas holiday periods on record. There are 15,000 passengers that were carried on long-distance lines and between 60 and 70,000 by suburban trains themselves. I mean, this is busy. That post-wartime department demanded that on Christmas Eve, it became necessary to run, if memory serves me correct, 17 trains for various destinations between Brisbane and Cairns and the majority of those between Brisbane and Bundaberg. There were 10 trains that were required on the Western Line. There were nine extra for the old South Coast Line. We're talking about going down Southport and Tweed Heads and places like that. Now, that pent-up demand was immense and they had to be able to get somewhere before Christmas. Greg, do we know that what was so interesting in Bundaberg, that there were 10 extra trains headed that way? It's, it's interesting because I think it was just the passenger numbers, but you think about Bundaberg, you know, being a, being a regional centre and everything like that, it obviously just meant that people along the way dropping off to, you know, would have been places like Gympie to Maribor and that. So it's obviously just with the population centre, it's just with the number of people required travelling. From Bundaberg, they would have travelled inland and those sorts of places. So I think it's very much like today, you know, it's a big, it's a big regional centre and, you know, there's a larger population that's spread around that area as well that comes out from it. Okay, so it wasn't a direct train, it stopped along the way. Oh, yes, they, <laughs> you had different varieties. I mean, you had your mail train, but, you know, you also had trains that pretty much stopped at a lot of stations along the way. It was an interesting journey, that would have been for sure. Okay, I'm also interested to know, how would it have taken to get to Bundaberg from Brisbane? Actually, Annette, I'm glad you asked that question because I was talking with my dad who grew up in Bundaberg a while back and uh, he w- we were talking about, he said, it would have taken 10 hours back in that era from Roma Street through to Bundaberg. So we're talking in the steam era. It's a long time compared to tilt trains today, definitely. It must have been a wonderful time. Had the fleet been fully restored post-war? Well, that's, that's really interesting, Annette, because that was part of the post-war revitalisation of the Queensland Railways. Um, they were introducing new rolling stock. Um, new locomotives were coming in. The first were diesel locomotives. Um, more modern steam locomotives were coming in. But, you know, this was still a system that was coping with the great demands of the Second World War. So it was, um, it was still a railway very much on the rebuild at that stage anyhow, Annette. So. But again, it's all that pent-up demand, obviously, in that post-war uh, period that came through to it. We go back, I mean, even before the Second World War, 1938, people who wanted to go to the South Coast for a break, Friday, December the 23rd, seven trains had run from Brisbane to Southport, um, four would run from South Brisbane to Tweed Heads. On Saturday, um, December 24th, Christmas Eve, a similar number of trains had also been arranged, so that gives you the idea of you know how popular it was as a form of travel and people wanting to get somewhere good. Now, the newspapers regularly reported on trains been run in two or more divisions on heavily trafficked lines. That's two trains for one service. So, you know, the numbers required two trains to provide that one service. There was the North Coast line through the Townsville, uh, the Interstate line via Kyogle, uh, that was to and from Sydney, uh, via Wollongarra. And um, in 1919, we found a reference to up to eight sleeping cars been fully booked out on the mail trains. I mean, that's enormous, the amount of, you know, demand for that thing. And even further back, we're looking in 1911, special trains were organised to run on the Bow Desert branch on Boxing Day to cope with Christmas demand. Wonderful, incredible stuff. Craig, we all know the holidays can be expensive. Did the railways offer anything for these families who wanted to go away for that period? Well, special excursion tickets were issued. Um, That was during holiday periods. Now, that allowed special rates for people wishing to travel to the country, but also to the incredibly popular seaside towns. 
Pyalbin Urangum, which is um, Harvey Bay today. They saw large numbers of people taking advantage of those tickets that were issued for a certain distance, and they're available only for a set period of time. Now, 1945, there was even a special rail motor was timetabled to run on New Year's Day from Gympie. Um, it departed at half past six. It got to Mungar Junction to connect with a train for the seaside. So that was going to Pyalba uh, down at Harvey Bay. Sorry, I'm just listening to what you're saying. I'm thinking, I can't imagine getting my family up and jumping on a train for six hours or something to head to a beach. It must have been an amazing and a special time to do that. Well, I guess, Annette, and that's really well put because for a lot of these people, this was the big journey for the year, maybe that in Easter. And, you know, it, they were long distances people would travel and they'd get up at, you know, interesting hours, you know, to get to these places. But do you think with a lot of people, I mean, they're going out, um, you know, if they've lived in Brisbane or places, going out to visit the family in the country or country people coming the other way. So this great ebbing and flowing of people all travelling by train, it, it's pretty remarkable. But then again, you know, departing at 6.30 is pretty interesting. But then again, if you were on a train that might have departed at 10 o'clock on the night before to connect with that train, there you go. It's daylight. It's better than nothing. <laughs> it must have been a beautiful sight to watch the rail motor arriving at the station. Can you describe what a rail motor is for those listeners who don't know? Yeah, rail motors, self-propelled rail cars. Um, Queensland Railways, we actually experiment the first of those. We had oh, the McKean cars, the excursion cars back in 1913. The homegrown variety started about 1918. They're probably better known as Red Rattler or Tin Hairs. RM93, the Gulflander, a Tin Hair. And there's um, well, one on the Merry Valley Heritage Railway, RM76, which is another um, AEC gardener. But basically they were self-propelled rail cars and the earlier versions really looked like a bus on rails. So they could carry passengers fairly quickly and uh, better than um, a much longer trip on a steam train that was Pretty much solely for passengers, isn't it? All right. So each rail motor, how many passengers would it carry? You'd probably get about 30 in the, the unit, I suppose you'd say, the rail, rail motor itself. But they'd also carry trailers. They could carry up to two trailers behind them. So rail motor, uh, you could get up to about 120, 150 people travelling on that, you know. Again, it would have been a bit of a squeeze and everything like that. And you think about all the luggage. I mean, the luggage that people carried back then, you know, the trunks and bags and that. Would have been pretty full occasion, but general consensus seems to be everyone's so excited, you know, that there was the big trip, catching up with family and they're going somewhere for Christmas. I mean, must have been a pretty remarkable um, feeling on those services. With so many extra trains, passengers and deliveries, it must have been a scheduling nightmare. How was there even enough trains to keep up with the demand? Oh, organising and putting the timetables together for the large crowds expected to travel by train it required there be considerable call on the available resources, including the locomotives, the crew and rolling stock. I guess the big thing is, you know, a lot of um, railway people didn't get that time off at Christmas because they were there to provide the service that went with it. I remember talking years ago with a um, former roster clerk about this sort of thing. He said it was like a big game of uh, drafts. He said you were constantly moving pieces around, be it uh, locomotives, be it train crew, that to make sure that you can meet the anticipated or the demand that was there. He said, just like a great big checkerboard, a big game of drafts, you know. But, yeah, but uh, Christmas meant a lot of things. It meant special deliveries being made and not necessarily presents, you know. We're talking about all sorts of things. Look, there was one favourite story I came across, and that was in, um, how in 1933, Queensland Delicacies made big news. Now, these were special Christmas hampers that could be ordered for friends of Australians overseas. This was the time of the Great Depression, you know, and you think of the hardships that people were going through, um, especially in Britain at that stage. 
The Governor of Queensland ordered five hampers to be sent to various friends in England. Now, station masters throughout Queensland were appointed as acting agents for receiving orders for what they call hampers of happiness. They contained 25 special products of Queensland plantations, orchards and farms, and each hamper would be individually addressed and sent for one pound, one pound, to any address in the United Kingdom in time for Christmas dinner. Now, the time lag on this, in this day and age with our online ordering and that, but uh, the orders were taken from mid-September and uh, for a Christmas delivery anyway. So it's not too bad when you consider deliveries in this day and age. Um, I'm thinking that's a great gift even today to send something of Queensland out into the world is a great gift idea. I think it was wonderful too. And of course, you know, it gave business to um, people here in Queensland and during the Great Depression, that was important, you know, providing, you know, something and, you know, especially in places like Britain and that, you know, really, you know, really suffered during the Depression and, you know, with malnourishment and that. Taste of Queensland sunshine in the cold British winter, you know. Yeah, it must be really incredible, uh, you know, to see that sort of a business and the station masters, you know, being part of that big story as well. That's really interesting to know. We've spoken previously about the station master at Stanthorpe. Uh, we're sort of a customs officer. Now the station masters were salesmen too. In saying that, hampers sound amazing. I would love one <laughs> even today. Yeah, you know, well, station masters being salesmen, well, they were acting on behalf of the Queensland government, you know, and uh, they were taking orders and things like that. So, yeah, I agree with the hampers and the ideas. They're always popular, aren't they? And, um, yeah, there's always something, you know, Maybe a taste of uh, sunshine or something like that, you know, being sent overseas. Yeah, Christmas, like connecting people and ensuring that those travelling got to where they wanted to be, was, it was always a huge demand on people. There's actually a song um, written in the 1870s in Victoria called Christmas on the Railways. The final line was that Christmas is a snorter for the poor old railway porter. And I think that meant, you know, with what they had to deal with and everything like that. And it's quite a funny song because the verses are all about all the questions that the pores were asked about, you know, that's your train on Platform 7, Mom, and, you know, basically there were people asking all these questions and how the porter used to respond. But, no, yeah, the final line, yeah, Christmas is a snorter for the poor old railway porter. <laughs> now, I've tried to find this song. Mm-hmm. I want a copy of this because I haven't found it anywhere. Ah, you need to dig it up for me. I'll go back to Patsy Adams Smith's book that is in and I'll find it for you anyway. Then, so. I'm glad you tried to Google this song. As I said, not everything is on in the world of Wikipedia or Google. There are still things in books. We must remember this. It's still a remarkable time, and uh, even for the people of Queensland Rail today, you know, they're well aware of, you know, providing that connection for so many people here in Queensland and providing that important service to people and making sure that they can get to be with their loved ones at this time of year. I think it's still a wonderful thing, and, you know, we've been doing it for um, 157 years. Hopefully we've still got quite a few things that we can tell people about, you know, how to bring them together at this time of year. Whether you are planning a road or rail trip or simply catching up with friends and family, from all of us here at Queensland Rail, we would like to wish our listeners a safe and happy Christmas and the very best for 2023. We look forward to catching up with you again next year with more stories from the railways in Queensland.